Amen. It's good to be back with you again. This time I remembered to turn my mic on. Let's give these, uh, these faithful servants a hand. Yeah. <laughs> Music is a gift from God. And uh, I know at least in my own personal case, some have it and eh, I do not. But uh, man, you know, as Randy was sharing about that, that song, Come Thou Fount, it reminded me of a couple of things. The, the hymns of old were, were tools. They were teaching tools to, to teach uh, Christians what we believe and why we believe it. Have any of you ever been on a, on a hike or a walk or maybe played in the crick and seen piles of rocks stacked up on top of each other? The rest of you need to get out some. Like just leave your house and go somewhere. You'll find them. And uh, that word Ebenezer, right? Every time I sing that song and as a kid, I was remember thinking, you know, Ebenezer, Ebenezer, Ebenezer Scrooge, right? Uh, does anybody have any idea what that word means besides the guy standing up front? Oh, man, yes. You have a job in about three minutes to preach the message this week. God is my help. Yeah, and that term comes from as we, as we see this invitation from the Lord when the Israelites crossed over the Jordan River into the Promised Land, he gave instructions to the priest, right? Remember, he gave these instructions to gather 12 rocks and to stack them up. And every time you pass by them, you will remember my faithfulness, that God is my help. Here I raise my Ebenezer. And I wonder, church, maybe what times, what things in your life have been monuments, if you will, for God's faithfulness, for God's presence. Man, that was good. Thank you, Randy, for sharing uh, some of the backstory and inviting us to have this epic collide of old and new and to realize that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? I'm going to ask a, a friend of mine, Mike, to come and uh, to pray over me this morning. And uh, I'm getting to know you slowly, but surely I, I gave him a few minutes. Heads up also, Mark, he had about the same amount of time. So, uh, yeah, you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay. Well, Romans is uh, the topic today, yeah. and uh, Paul gave us a great uh, message, simple message, in Romans 12.12. Uh, 12. <laughs> it says, rejoice in your hope. Today, we rejoice in our hope in the ministry of Pastor Joe and his family. And also says, rejoice in your hope, but be patient in tribulations and troubles. Have we got a few troubles? <laughs> These days, we do. And we're going to experience some troubles in our church, too. But we can overcome them. And Paul says we can overcome them to be constantly in prayer. Romans 12, 12, be constantly in prayer to overcome those tribulations and to rejoice in our hope. And today, I pray for Pastor Joe for that the Holy Spirit would uh, fall upon him today, allow the Spirit to speak through him to us as a church body, that uh, we will be blessed by your words today, Lord, and that uh, the one deliverer is it today is Pastor Joe. And we know that uh, his message will be concise and to the heart to those who want to hear it and accept it. We pray that anybody that's here today that doesn't know Jesus Christ is to say, I want to know you. Right. And today is the day 
for the Lord has made. And we pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. I know it's, it's awkward. How do you do this, right? We're dancing around each other for a few minutes. So uh, this is the, the part in the service where um, you'll experience what I like to do later because we can't do this just yet. But I hope you brought your Bibles with you today. Uh, these things are not, I, I know for some they uh, become paperweights. Sometimes they become, um, I don't know, the, uh, objects on a, on a shelf or on a bookcase maybe. But, but I hope you brought your Bibles with you because um, if you don't bring your Bibles with you, we have some problems at times. And you've got to retain and remember everything. And that's hard for me to do, so I can only imagine it's hard for others to do probably also. But I would invite you to bring your Bibles each and every time we gather. That's something that you can bring with you and something that you can uh, dive into. I would also encourage you, maybe uh, I, I grew up not wanting to do anything in my Bibles, right? It was a sacred text. And uh, being a sacred text, you don't, you don't defile that in any way, shape, or form. Well, I would invite you to, uh, to be comfortable writing in your, in your Bibles in the margins, maybe, or highlighting. And there's going to be times when I invite you to, to circle a word or circle a couple words so that we can retain. Because we know that when we have paper in front of us, this is, you know, technology is great. Most of you probably have iPhones. Take those out, too, if you forgot your paper Bible. And uh, there's version apps. There's all kinds of apps for the Bible. But um, technology is great, but we know that through uh, science now recently, especially that we retain more when we have paper in front of us. And uh, so I invite you to bring those with you. If you don't have one, I, I don't know if we have these or not. I've only been here for a little over a week, but we've got Bibles somewhere. If you don't have one, you can have one from here, okay? And if you are really having a hard time, you can have mine. It does have my name. It had my name. It's been used too much. Actually, uh, one, of my, one of my daughters said, Dad, you should get a new Bible. That one's starting to fall apart. I'm like, oh, no. It's just getting good. A uh, little backstory to this. My mom, when I, uh, when I responded to the call from the Lord, which I told you that whole story last week, so if you didn't catch that, you can catch the sermon online. But um, my mom wanted to get me a, a preaching Bible because pastors need preaching Bibles. And uh, it's, it's helpful if it's floppy so that it, you know, it lays open nicely. Right? It looks... Does it, does it look good? Do I look like a pastor? Well, good. Any of you can look like that with a Bible then. Uh, but I also wanted large print because my eyes, I'm having a hard time seeing. Uh, and I didn't want any uh, reference notes. So I wasn't distracted by other things, but just the word. Um, and it's been uh, through, through the war at times. There's coffee stains. There's there's watermarks in numerous spots. I would just invite you to, you're going to need your Bibles. If you're, if you're finding yourself struggling, you're going to need your Bibles. The Word of God is for us. God doesn't need the Word of God. He is the Word. This is for us. And I would invite you to, you know, um, the Marcionite heresy, I think, is the fancy term, uh, it just means that we only look at the, the New Testament. That's, don't do that. That's a heresy of the church. We need the entirety of the scriptures. And um, we don't get to add to them, unfortunately. You know, Jefferson was wrong when he cut out sections of his Bible. He neglected that on the other side of the page was other words that maybe you want. <laughs> Let that sink in for a minute. We get the whole thing. And it teaches us not only who God is, but who we are. 
It helps us to understand how we can live in community with each other, how we can live in community with God. But apart from the Spirit of God, it just kind of falls flat. It becomes this book that we hit people over the head with. Has anybody ever been uh, hostily proselytized to? That's, those are big, fancy words. Like, aggressively preached to and said, repent right now! And they beat the Bible. Nobody? Man, you guys haven't lived. <laughs> Holy cow! Uh, I attend a, a family Bible camp in the summer. It's the old school tent meeting, tent revival meeting. And those things are, man, the preacher gets pounding the pulpit. It's, you're sweating and you're just hoping somebody goes forward so he stops preaching. I mean, it's just, <laughs> but uh, the Bible is, is a gift from God to us. And we're going to be in it every single week. And uh, starting this week is week number one of a 10-week series. I know that's kind of a long series, but, but it's a 10-week series on, on broken. And we're going to look through Romans and... Uh, Mike's going to be preaching in a few weeks from Romans chapter 12. But, uh, you know, the gift of God is, is that we have the scriptures. And there's all kinds of stuff that, that we get to unpack. But it's not enough for us just to unpack it and to, to feast on it. Because then we can become fat Christians. And ain't nobody got time to be fat. Okay? We need to be Christians who exercise that which God has given us. So if all you're doing is consuming, if all you're doing, maybe you spend all day in Bible study. Praise God for that, although if you're not going outside afterwards and applying this word that God has given us by the Spirit of God to our lives, then you're just a scholar. The word of God is for, for teaching, for instruction, for correction, but it's also for transformation. So we're going to be in Romans chapter uh, 8 this week, and we're going to be in Romans 8 for a few weeks actually, but this sermon series kind of came out of a couple of things. We started looking at these texts. And uh, you can, if you want to know what we're going to be, where we're going to be in the weeks to come, uh, each week we're going to do a video in the middle of the week, and we're going to try to post it to our Facebook page, and just kind of give you a foreshadowing of what's to come, so you can do a little bit of homework on the front end. Don't just take Pastor Joe's word for it. If anyone stands up here and says, I have the full authority, run. God has given us this for us to come together. I'm just going to expose what God has revealed to me. And I believe that this is for you and for myself. The first one being preached to is the man in the mirror. Make no mistake about that. But God's going to do some really amazing things. We're going to be launching from the lectionary, um, the revised common lectionary actually. And as we launch from that over the next several weeks, it's going to take us through Romans. The second half of this uh, letter from Paul to a church that was new. And... Um, there's a few things I want to share with you this week. We're going to see that out of, uh, we have to be broken. We have to be broken in order for God to be able to restore. And whether you acknowledge it or not, whether you fall into the trap that says, I can be anything I want to be, or, or maybe, maybe you've bought into some of those things. We have to be broken. Last week I shared with you that, you, that, that Jesus as Lord means something very different for a lot of people. It's a complete surrender of my life to yours. We have to be willing to surrender our freedoms, to receive freedom. Right? That seems a little bit like a, it's paradoxical. It's, a, it's an oxymoron kind of way. How do we mean surrender to receive freedom? That doesn't work. Well, uh, today we're going to unpack one of the most challenging scriptures or passages in all of scripture, I think. And um, why, why start easy? I mean... Why start easy? So if you brought your Bibles, I would invite you to turn with me to Romans chapter 8. And we're going to be in uh, verses 1 through 11. 
Romans is the, the sixth book of the New Testament. You probably already know this, but uh, I find myself in the habit of just kind of helping us along. Um, the, new, the, the scriptures are broken into two parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament. In the New Testament, we find uh, the person of God in Jesus Christ, uh, the God-man uh, in the flesh. We see a very different entrance than we do in the Old Testament, uh, where God showed up on the scenes also. But um, the New Testament... Uh, testifies to that which was here. The Old Testament uh, testifies to that which is to come. But you need it all. So Romans chapter 8, and I would invite you, if you brought your Bibles, to, to follow along. And I'm going to read these uh, 11 verses. But um, I'm looking to the back to see if Callie, are we... Callie, can you give me a thumbs up if we can do what I... I can't see you. The lights are way too bright up here. I have no idea if she's up or down. She's, she's, if you brought your Bibles... You're going to need to follow along with me. I'm going to invite you to do something interactive in just a moment. Okay, uh, beginning with verse 1, chapter 8, verse 1. It says this. It says, therefore, whenever the scriptures say therefore, we need to pay attention. We need to ask the question of what is therefore, therefore? Why is it there? Okay? It says this. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you should probably amen that. You think about that just for a moment, okay? You think about that just for a moment. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I don't know about you, but I have found myself the one being condemned at times. And that is not a fun seat to sit in, let alone being condemned by God Almighty for all of the sin that we have committed in our lives. There is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus... The law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do and that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. Also, He condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. For the mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. For those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives within you. Let me tell you that again, church. If you are a Christian, if you are a Christian, you are not controlled by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. For if the Spirit of God lives within you, And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who lives within you. Thanks be to God. A few things. One is, that can be confusing. If it's not, well... It is for me, at least. This is one of those passages in Scripture that you've got to read multiple times. You've got to ask God to reveal what 
is taking place. And um, I, I might have said this before, but a, a text without a context is a pretext for anything you want it to be. Let me repeat that for you. A text without a context is a pretext for anything you want it to be. So in other words, there's no cherry-picking scriptures that you like. Yeah, there's no cherry-picking. You can't just take the pieces that you like and, and uh, neglect the rest of it, right? We can't have God's love and mercy without God's justice. Okay, we're going to come back to that stuff in the future, but for today we're going to be in this little passage understanding it in the context of the whole of Romans, right? Paul just got done writing one of the most confusing portions of Scripture, I think, in Romans 7. When he says, why do I do what I think I shouldn't do and I, should, I don't do what I should do? And Paul's all messed up there. It's confusing. But what he identifies is that we are sinful, broken people, himself included. Today we're going to give you three things. We're getting to the preaching in just a moment. We're just getting warmed up. Now it's really hot up here actually, but it's not hot like it was last week outside. But man, I'll tell you what, as we, as we think about perception, you know, I want you to think about perception for a moment, and, and think about some of the things that are your realities in this moment, right? The things that, that you believe to be true, right? Perception equals reality, kind of, right? But perception is a huge thing, right? It's the lens that we see things through. This last week, we spent uh, some time on the water. I can see why you live in Bemis. It's nice on the water, isn't it? It's cool, it's refreshing. But if you stare at the waves too long, it starts to mess with your eyes, doesn't it? Yeah, perception, perception begins to change quickly. Things that are stationary appear to be moving, although they are not really moving. Do you see the problem with that at times? And Paul begins to unpack for us that our perception of ourselves needs to change. Our perception of ourselves needs to change. And it begins with this dynamic that we once were indeed sinful, broken. But by God's grace, we have been restored and made new. You know, as we were so I was spending time with the Lord this morning, I was thinking about you. And some of you, uh, mostly by face, a few by name. I'm going to get there eventually. But some of you... Uh, came to church this morning really struggling with your identity because your sinfulness has become your identifier your brokenness all you hear is that you're not worthy all you hear is that you're not enough all you hear is that I can't do this all you hear is that I'm sick and I'm I don't have enough faith and all you hear is negative. And because of that, you and I at times have a misguided reality. We've bought into what others have said. You see, Paul says a couple of things that are very, very, very important. If you write in your Bibles, and I would encourage you to do so, that's right, uh, for the kids in the house, preacher man said you could write in your Bibles. Don't just scribble though, okay? Try to make it be somewhat uh, legible. If you write in your Bibles, I would invite you to, to highlight one little section in the first verse there. It says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in 
Christ Jesus. And I want to challenge our thinking here for just a moment. Because we have this misguided reality. For some reason we seem to think that God is there for my needs. But what the scriptures tell us is that we become in Christ. Subsumed. And when that happens, Paul says our reality begins to change. Our perception of things, of life, begin to change. It doesn't mean that, we, that, that, that bad isn't happening. It doesn't mean that we don't still stumble and fall at times. But it means that, that we realize we are controlled and consumed by Christ. Because we are now in him. And that's something that you can't simply take away. Perception equals reality. Although for some of us we have a misguided reality. We've fallen into what our, our culture has identified as normal, right? They've said it's all about me, it's all about I, it's all about number one, oh me, never mind. <laughs> Some of you listen to country music, clearly. If you play them backwards, you get everything back. If you play the country song backwards, you get everything back. But the reality is that sometimes we, we fall trapped to think that it's all about myself. And you know, you know what hedonism is? Yeah, it's this understanding that it's all about me and my needs and my feelings. Well, I'm here to tell you that this is going to challenge your thoughts on that. Because what the gospel tells us is that it's all about him, actually. That it's all about Jesus. That everything that we do, every action that we have, every thought that we have should be about Christ. And that doesn't mean we sit in a circle and sing kumbaya all day long. Right? Because what kind of life is that? And can I also invite you to something? Sometimes we have this misguided reality, but there's, there is hope, friends. There is a transition that comes. There's a transition that comes and we begin to see things differently. And can I just, please don't be weird Christians, okay? We do enough weird things. Don't be weird Christians, right? Nothing is more of a turnoff than a weird, amen? I mean, some of them, I'm, I'm, my wife and kids would probably say I'm weird at times, but don't be the weird Christian, right? <laughs> You're, the problem right now is some of you are thinking about the weird Christians in your lives, <laughs> right? Don't allow this misguided reality, the things that Paul talks about when he, when he says, you know, you, however, are not that. You are not controlled by the sinful nature. But rather you're controlled by the Spirit. That means that we, we speak life into people's lives. No more biting, no more devouring, no more con being consumed with other people, right? In negative ways. There is hope. But it requires work. You know, as a, as a kid, I had my first job, I think, at like 12 years old. I was probably trying to sell things to my siblings before that, but um, you had to work hard. Part of the problem with our culture right now, especially in um, the Western world, is that we think everything is easy and free. And this is not a, a political speech. Uh, this is week number two. We didn't give you any weapons this week. This is not a political speech in any way, shape, or form. This is a, we're called to labor, to work hard. Paul writes, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. If our perception in our, is going to change so that we can actually see things as they really are, then we need to let go of the misguided realities at times. 
Scripture does not say that we're supposed to be holed up in a bubble, right? It does not say that. It says that we are not to be, be, we're to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, right? We're to be transformed from the inside out, and we're supposed to live in culture. Culture shouldn't define us, but we should begin to define culture. The problem is that that scale has tipped. The problem is that that scale has tipped, and anywhere you look, you can see that at times, right? You can see where it's not necessarily right. It might feel good for a moment, but it's really hot on the other side of life if that's your trajectory. I want to share with you a uh, Eugene Peterson sometimes in the message translation, and please don't be the church, uh, the Christians that get caught up in uh, what translation you're reading. Uh, we can have that debate someday about King James only. If we got a couple of those, praise God, right? Or if you read the message, praise God for that. Just read something. Uh, Eugene Peterson said it really well, and I want to share this with you in uh, verses 3 and 4. He says this, he says, God went for the jugular. I can't, you can't make this stuff up. That's what he said. He says, God went for the jugular when he sent his own son. You see, he didn't deal with the problem as something remote and unimportant, but in his son, Jesus, he personally took on the human condition entered the disordered mess of struggling humanity in order to set it right once and for all. In other words, we no longer have to stay as these sinful beings. But because of God's grace, the ship has been righted and we have what is known as a restored reality. Meaning that which God intended on the front end becomes a reality now and into the future. And I want to invite you to something this morning. Some of you might not know Jesus. Some of you might have come into church. Maybe you've been coming to church your entire life. You know, one of the, well, the greatest gifts that I've had is to lead people who are uh, mature in years. A couple of years ago, I baptized two, uh, two saints. One was 80 years old. Had never had a relationship with Jesus until late in life. Had been coming to church every single week. Had fallen victim to the trap of a misguided reality. That if I show up on time, maybe you're the super saint on Sunday morning. You attend all the Bible studies. You read the word every day. But the spirit of God has not given life to you. You're a fat Christian. Well, you're not even a Christian yet. We probably shouldn't finish that thought. Once in a while, you get a, a glimpse into this mind. It's a scary place. We're not called to be fat Christians. We're called to be lean, mean, fighting machines who are controlled by the spirit of the living God, who are no longer held hostage or burdened by a yoke of slavery, as we talked last week. But we have this restored reality i got to look this up because I, I never pronounced this right, so stay with me just for a moment. Um, kintsugi. Anybody familiar with kintsugi? Yeah, I wasn't either. But this broken idea came out of that ancient art form. And uh, what happens is they take, uh, there's pottery that is broken. And um, it's Japanese, actually. And they, they piece it back together. But they piece it back together not like with super glue, like like I do with things at times, they actually use gold. And it fills the seams and it becomes this whole new beautiful thing that would have been missed if it had never been broken in the first place. You see, God wants to do something in your lives. God is doing something in your lives. Maybe is a better way to say that. 
And we, the church, are the vessels. I would have chosen something very different if I were God. It's probably good I'm not. But God chose the church to be his vessel of hope, of life, of restoration. But if we aren't seeing things clearly through the restored lens, we can't help anybody else see it clearly either. Church, what are you going to do this week? Are you going to go and preach the gospel? Is your life going to be a reflection of he who is within you? Either way. Or are you going to sit on the sidelines and hope for the best? Jesus, thank you for today. Lord, as your church has gathered in your name would your Holy Spirit fill us to overflowing would you restore that which has been broken (laughs) you make beautiful things out of dust and God would our eyes be fixed upon you Would we not deviate to the right or to the left? And Lord, this morning, for those who are hearing your word for the first time, or maybe for the hundredth time, it is time for transition and transformation. God, would we come to repentance? Would we recognize that we can't do it on our own? That the law is powerless. Holy Spirit, come. In the mighty name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Church, Jesus changed the game. Now it's time for us to change our perception. Jesus changed the game. Now it's time for us to change our perception. This week, go and see the world through the lens of God Almighty. May the Lord Jesus Christ, the great author and perfecter of our faith, the sanctifier, be before you to lead you, beside you to justify you, behind you to defend you. May he be above you to guide you. But my prayer for you this week, church, is that Jesus, the risen Christ, would be within you, empowering you to go and love the hell out of your neighbors. In Jesus' name, amen.